TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. TGIF Scoop Podcast Faithful this 3rd of May, this Friday night here on Score North, scorenorth.com, 1500 AM on your conventional radio dial. If you have one of those fancy HD radios, you get us on a different frequency. Congratulations to you. Those HD radios are fantastic. Score, by the way, with a K, Score North. This is Scoop Podcast Episode 226. We'll have conversations with both Mark Coyle, Gophers Athletic Director, and Wild Defenseman Ryan Suter. In fact, we'll start with the latter, Ryan leaves tomorrow for Germany. He is playing in his 14th international tournament. He is playing for Team USA in the International World Championship in Slovakia. The U.S.'s first game is May 10th against host country Slovakia. The U.S. is gathering in Germany this weekend. They'll have a mini, mini camp early next week before things ramp up in just a few days. The U.S. last year in the World Championship earned a bronze medal. Ryan Suter looking forward to wearing the red, white, and blue once again. Here's my conversation the other day with Ryan Suter. All right, Ryan, this is, I saw, thanks to Aaron Sickman, that this is international tournament 14 for you. You traveling internationally, playing for Team USA for a 14th time. But is it safe to say it just it never gets old? It doesn't. I mean, anytime you uh, have the opportunity to wear the U.S. Uh, jersey, it's, uh, it's a privilege. Um, it's uh, a huge honor to, to be on the team and really looking forward to, to being over there. How did this one come about? I mean, just one of those deals where they know you, you know them, and the invite was an easy one to extend? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, um, you know, some of, some of the guys around here I don't think wanted me to uh, be a part of it, and then I kind of talked with them, and, and we agreed that, uh, you know, this hopefully is my last, uh, last hurrah at it. Um, uh, hopefully we're still playing next year. So uh, that's that's kind of how it went down. Was that the slippery slope, though, that, that some people here thought, you know what, after the grueling year and yeah. you just a year ago having such a serious surgery that you could have used some rest? That, that was a thought. Um, but for me, it's, I mean, hope, like I said, it's, it's hopefully my last uh, chance to play in this tournament. Um, go over there, and we, we have a good team going, and um, it should be a, a lot of fun to be a part of. Why do you think this would be the last, though? Uh, hopefully we're playing, right? Well, yeah, sure. That's, I mean, that's, that's what I mean by saying the last, um, hopefully we're playing in the playoffs and, um, you know, the last six years I wasn't able to, to do this. So, uh, to, to do that, uh, this year, or was it last five years, probably last five years, yeah, six you years. You would have been hurt last year. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just, just take, taking advantage of this opportunity. Do you like your guys' chances? I do. I think uh, I think we got some pretty darn good players. Um, I mean, these short tournaments are tough, but uh, they're a lot of fun when when you're with a good group of guys and and can go over and and uh, just be away from everything and and play hard for each other. Is there one guy in particular? I mean, to me, it would be maybe Patrick Kane, but one guy in particular you're really looking forward to playing with? Well, I, I mean, I've played with Kaner on a, a lot of different teams. Um, obviously, he's. He's a stud. Um, I think one of the best uh, players, American players ever. Um, you got uh, younger guys that that I haven't had the chance to play with: Jack Eichel, uh, Johnny Goodrow. Um, I'm sure I'm leaving guys off, but you know, just just 
kind of getting a chance to play with these young guys. And, I mean, you play against them all the time and chase them around, and, and now they're on, on our side. Did I see that Hughes was added to the team? I mean, well, like, yeah. you could be his dad almost. Yeah, exactly. He's probably as old as Brooks, but um, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to, to be with, with kind of this next generation coming up, and um, I'd like to, to win it. That'd be, that'd be uh, a good cap to it. We get it. It's not the Olympics, but when you say win it, I mean, there's a lot of pride in this tournament, isn't there? I mean, anytime you wear the U.S. jersey, it's, uh, you, you take a lot of pride in that. Um, there's been a lot of good players to wear that jersey before, and um, you, you never know when your next chance is to, to represent your country, and um, that's, a, that's a big thing for me. What will the schedule look like the next couple of weeks? When do you leave in particular? Yeah, so I'll leave on Saturday. Um, and I don't get back until the 27th, so it's a, a three weeks and just over three weeks, and it'll it'll be tough leaving the family. They're going to try to make it over for the last little bit, um, so that'll be neat neat for them, neat experience. But uh, it's going to be a long time over there for sure. I mean, does the family understand it though? Does your wife in particular understand? Okay, this is this could be your last hurrah with Team USA. That of course you have to go. Well, I think at first she thought I was nuts, wondering why. Um, and then talking about it, you know, the, just the injury, and um, she she gets it. She she understands why I want to do it, and uh, she's supporting me for sure. You might be paired with Brady Shea. He's a local guy, Lakeville kid. Do you know much about Brady? I don't. Um, I think we what do we have five left-handed defensemen now? So that I don't know. You know better than yeah, me. That'll be uh, interesting to see that. Um, yeah, I, I've. I mean, whoever whoever you're with is uh, is fun. I mean, I saw that, was it last year, bronze? I mean, going back to the last five or six years, there's been three bronzes. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully silver or gold, but absolutely at least metal, right? <laughs> I'd like to, I know, when you, you enter these tournaments, you, you're going for the gold, and, um, and that's our, our plan right now. You mentioned that in a perfect world, you're not playing in this, that you guys are still playing. As, yep. as you look at the Western Conference playoff picture, it hard not to think, well, I mean, you got 8-seed Colorado, you got 7-seed Dallas. I mean, St. Louis was like the worst team in the NHL in early January. They upset, well, who knows, maybe it's not really an upset, but maybe seating-wise they end up getting by Winnipeg. I mean, as you look at the Western Conference playoff picture, is it hard not to think, geez, that could have been us? That's, I mean, that's why we say it every year. Um, if you can find a way to get in, there's, you never know. Um, and, and that's what was so disappointing this year. We, we had we had the opportunity the last couple of weeks to to win some games and get in, and we didn't. Um, and it's kind of the what if, you know, what if we would have found a way to get in there, we could, uh, you know, maybe this was our year. But um, we're not, and we have to to move on and, and focus on obviously having a good summer. Everyone has to come back motivated and and bigger, stronger, ready to go, and and find a way to get in next year and and take a run at it how happy are you for coil and nino i am happy yeah, i was it was good seeing chucky um have some success there and then with nino uh, great teammates great guys and um it's it's good seeing them i mean and i'll leave you with this i mean is that another example like carolina yeah, yeah. two weeks to go in the regular season or one week to go i mean we didn't know if they'd be in the playoffs and all of a sudden they're knocking on the doorstep of the eastern conference finals it's crazy. Um, when we played them, I knew they had a good team, uh, but like you said, they were right, right there. They were a game away from from not making the playoffs, and 
they found a way in and they got it going at the right time and and that's the difference that was wild defenseman ryan Suter on playing for the u.s in the world championship game number one may 10th against host country slovakia he leaves tomorrow for germany he'll meet up with his team usa teammates in germany they'll have a training camp a mini training camp they will play one exhibition game before things ramp up on the 10th of may by the way he did clear up some misinformation that was out there the wild really didn't want him to play there was some resistance the wild specifically gm paul fenton was not on board with ryan going he had to convince them now i don't think it took a ton of convincing but i can just tell you there was some misinformation out there i forget who had it that said the wild were all in on suitor playing in this tournament no that was not the case ryan had to win management over quickly on the wolves those that were in the room that were blown away by gerson rosas last friday jim peterson wolves broadcaster jim peterson what a transition for jim he couldn't even go to tom thibodeau practices and shoot arounds and then he is part of the process that resulted in the hiring of the new president of operations cheryl reeve i've talked about cheryl reeve's involvement Previously on this podcast, but Cheryl was in the room. Ryan Tankey, Ethan Casson led the charge. Ethan is the Wolf CEO. If you're a Wolves fan, be very happy that Ethan was in charge. Ethan is a very sharp individual, mid forties. He has a bright, bright future, and already, you know, being the Wolf CEO, I mean, he's already accomplished a ton. But moving forward, that is a name to know if you're a Wolves fan. Gerson Rosas expected to be introduced as the Wolves president of operations early next week. Look for a news conference. On Monday, lots of work to do. The Wolves have some draft workouts next week. They are bringing in some second-round type prospects Tuesday and Thursday. Jordan Murphy of the Gophers will be in on Tuesday, I am told. Then things ramp up the following week with the G League invite, which segues into the NBA Draft Combine in Chicago. Amir Coffey of the Gophers will take part in the G League invite, and if all goes well, he could get an invite to the big-time Combine, the NBA Draft Combine. Both events are in Chicago, but I'm just telling you, with the Rosas, with the rest of the front office, lots of work to do in the coming weeks. I still expect Ryan Saunders to be the full-time head coach, and I foresee a scenario where Scott Layden is in place for a bit here, at least through the draft, through free agency then at some point i can see a scenario where scott Layden is reassigned but keep in mind he makes north of two million dollars is glenn taylor willing to eat nearly five million dollars to let Layden go i think there's a better chance that he gets reassigned but clearly at some point rosas will bring in a guy or two or multiple guys and reshape the front office i brought up the names jordan murphy and amir coffee we don't know if coffee will be back certainly he could be done we know murphy is done it looks like murphy's replacement is in place alihan demir the drexel transfer committed to the gophers yesterday i had demir on this podcast a couple episodes ago, episode 224. If you want to learn all about him, his game, I'm telling you, he has a great chance to be the Gophers starting power forward next season. Alihan Demir, now a member of the Gophers. When we come back, we'll talk to the Gophers Athletics boss. AD Mark Coyle is next here on Score North. Welcome back, everyone, to the Scoop Podcast, episode 226 here on Score North on this Friday night. I sat down with Gophers AD Mark Coyle going back about 10 to 14 days, but a lot of the topics, in fact, all the topics are still applicable. Him reviewing the Gophers football season, the momentum coming off spring practice, him reviewing the year that Richard Pitino had, him reviewing the year Bob Motzko had, Lindsey Whalen, and other Gophers athletics talking points. So we'll play that conversation back here in two segments. I just haven't had a time here on the Scoop Podcast to replay the conversation until now. So he gave me 30 minutes of his time. Here is part 
part one of my conversation with Gophers Athletics Director Mark Coyle. We're approaching three years. You were hired May of 2016. I'll do the quick math on that. How would you evaluate your three years so far? Uh, I'm not sure I'm the right person to uh, answer that question. And, and what I mean by that, Doogie, is I think it's important um, you know, for our staff. Uh, I'm so thankful for our staff. We have 275 employees. Uh, and I'm just thankful for, uh, first, how welcome they were for me and my family when we got here, uh, for believing in what we're trying to do to move this program uh, in, in a positive direction. Uh, so again, I'm not sure I'm the right one to answer that question. Uh, obviously, I'd like to give myself a that a boy that we've been working hard doing a lot of good things. But, but I think uh, you know, uh, it's important to talk to our staff, our donors, our fans, and see what they think. Uh, there's no doubt we've been through a lot. Uh, but we definitely feel like we're moving in the right direction and getting this place going where we all want it to go. But what's the feedback you get when you're talking to donors to fans. Heck, you were with a bunch of donors right on Monday in Arizona. Yeah, What's the yeah, feedback you're getting? Uh, you know, positive. I, I think people, if, if you remember when I was hired, Doogie, I taught a lot about, uh, you know, we needed to be very intentional and very consistent. Uh, we've been through a lot of uh, transition in our department. You know, four athletic directors since 2012. I think nine senior administrators had left our department uh, prior to my arrival. And so we tried to bring some stability and some consistency. We tried to be very intentional with our decisions. You know, obviously when you have to hire six head coaches, uh, those are very high profile hires. Uh, we've hired numerous staff members that we've brought in. Uh, so again, I think people are optimistic about where we're going, uh, but, but we make it, uh, we clearly understand that, that making the right decisions and doing things right matter here, and we focus on everything we do. All right, let's talk about one of those head coaches. Let's just go sequentially. We haven't talked at least on camera since the end of the football season. I mean, incredible momentum, right, with P.J. Flack and the Gophers? I mean, Mark, I mean, year two, Really, in many ways, after you win in Madison and then win the bowl game so convincingly, I mean, I guess it could have maybe gone better. You could say, okay, we could have won an extra game or two. But all things considered, year two of P.J. Fleck, pretty darn good. Yeah, you know, very excited and thankful. You know, we're, we're first very thankful for our student-athletes. You know, any time you go through a coaching transition, what that program has done, uh, they've handled it the right way. They have bought into P.J. and his coaching staff and what they're trying to build here. Uh, and when you have a chance to win the games we did going down the stretch, uh, you've heard me talk about this before. I have a lot of respect for Wisconsin and what they do over there. And for us to get that win in Madison was an important win for our program. And then go to the bowl game and get a big win against Georgia. Georgia Tech and ACC opponent was a big one for our program. Uh, Doogie, if you look at his recruiting right now, I mean, our recruiting classes are off the charts. Uh, I give PJ a lot of credit uh, in what he does there, recruiting the right type of kids to our program. Uh, you know, and, and things that get lost, you know, academically, our football team, Doogie, had a 3.2 during the fall semester. I mean, that's unheard of. So they're doing it the right way academically, they're doing it the right way athletically, and just very grateful for PJ and the energy he brought to our program. Did you know when you hired him he was this good of a recruiter? Uh, you know, we, we did our homework, but you never know until you have a chance to, to work with somebody and spend time with him. But, but obviously, you know, when, um, when I had a chance to visit with PJ in Chicago and we interviewed him for the job, uh, you know, D, uh, Doogie, he was very, very crystal clear on how he was going to recruit. And, and Athletes Village, the building we're sitting in right now, was a big part of that. Um, you know, the newness of this facility, the newness of TCF Bank Stadium. Uh, it hasn't been done here in a long time. Some of those things made him really excited. And, and you know, he uses a phrase, some people run from the fire, he runs to the fire. And that's the type of coach we needed. We needed somebody who's going to run in here, embrace what was happening, and how we're going to continue to build this thing in the right direction. He's done all those things. I suppose you welcome big time expectations. I mean, I was with Blake Cashman yesterday. He was trying to convince me, you guys are going to win the Big Ten West this year. I talked to Danell Green a couple weeks ago, some pre-draft work I was doing. He was telling me, maybe not this year, but in the next couple years, other people are talking Big Ten West Championship. 
But hey, why not, right? Well, you know, we use uh, a word all the time, actions. You're defined by your actions, and, and, you know, we'll be defined by our actions when we start playing next year. You know, obviously the expectations are improving for us, which is awesome. Uh, it's great to be a part of the conversation when you talk about uh, Big Ten football, such a strong conference. It's, it's, it's nice to be talked about the, the conversation of top 25 programs in the country, and we're receiving some votes in the preseason polls, which is awesome. Uh, but there's no doubt we have to go out and we have to compete against some very good teams, open up with South Dakota State, which is going to be a great game uh, for our fans, a tough game. We have a very tough non-conference schedule and then our, our conference schedule. So, again, we appreciate uh, those guys saying wonderful things about our program, but, but PJ would be the first one to tell you we've got to earn it on the field, and, and we look forward to competing and earning it on the field. Help me with a disconnect, and we'll get to the, the changes with the ticket prices in basketball and hockey, but I think PJ's pretty popular. Maybe I'm reading the tea leaves wrong, and I get it. He says at times, hey, I'm not for everyone, but I think that's I think that's all of us, right? Like, nobody's perfect. I think he's pretty darn popular. I do. I think there's a lot of people who love P.J. Fleck, and I guess it's just the nature of college sports. Oftentimes the coach is, is the face of the program because players come and go every three or four years. Mm-hmm. Coach can be there for a long time. So I think P.J. is so popular. So why didn't people show up last year? Why so many empty seats? Well, you know, Doogie, uh, that's something we've spent a lot of time looking at. You know, and, and when we talk about P.J., I, you know, I, I've used the term lately. You know, he's old-fashioned values packaged high death. You know, uh, he's focusing on recruiting so hard and getting the right student athletes to come to our program and improving it that way. Um, And what we need to do is we need to make sure we can communicate that message to people to buy tickets to be a part of our program. Uh, Again, you and I have had this conversation, I think a year ago, college football attendance was down over 4% across the country. It's not just a Minnesota challenge, it's a challenge for college football as a whole. And we've got to be very creative. And as you know, Doogie, going into the 2018 season, uh, we we reduced ticket prices and, and certain sections of the stadium, uh, reduced ticket prices in the DQ club, trying to get more people to come to our games. But that's something we continue to look at, and we're hopeful, again, with a very strong schedule this year, uh, you know, with home games against Wisconsin, against Nebraska, Penn State comes here, uh, some of those opponents. Uh, hopefully we can earn things on the field and, and compete and win some games early in the season to get us some momentum to get people back in our stadium. But it's on us to earn people back. We, we know that very clearly. You know, I learned a long time ago when you point a finger, you have three pointing back at you. So it's, 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 not, uh, it's not their problem that they're not buying. It's our problem. We've got to figure it out and get creative on how we get people to come back to our stadium. Is it also fair to mention, though, I mean, some things are out of your control. Like, how many games last year? Maybe it was just one. But even so, one out of eight, that's a big deal. Where you don't even know the start time until, what, like six days prior? I mean, that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah, it, it varies. You know, uh, I can tell you we have lots of conversations. Uh, you know, we're so grateful for the Big Ten Network and our TV partnerships that we have in the Big Ten Conference. That's a, a significant revenue source for our department. Uh, with that comes some give and take. And the TV times are a challenge, again, not just for Minnesota, but for college football. You know, you don't know those kick times before, and it's something that I think we need to continue to look at. And how can we give more advanced notice when our game times will be? Uh, you know, how we can, again, make sure people understand what time kick will be so we can get people to come back and be a part of our stadium. We'll keep the fall sport theme going. I mean, Hugh McCutcheon, I mean, the contract extension, no-brainer, right? Like, I might give him a lifetime contract if he wants, right? John Calipari contract. Yeah, you know, Hugh, uh, you know, I, I've got a lot of respect for Hugh. And, and if you look at what he does for that program and, and uh, you know, what he's done here in his time here, and, and we're excited. Uh, you know, we just announced last week we have a new volleyball uh, performance center going in Maturi Pavilion, uh, which will enhance that volleyball program a great deal and give us a first-class experience for our student-athletes on the volleyball program, along with Athletes Village. Uh, but Hugh, uh, you know, he, he's a very unique coach. And, and, and if you look at how he does things, uh, he's almost like a professor. He's such a great teacher 
the game, a teaching of the culture that he wants within that program, and, and the expectations are very high for there. You know, when, when we have two Final Four appearances, uh, had a tough, tough loss last year against a very good Oregon team, the Sweet 16 here in town. I promise you that serves as motivation as we move forward to the next year. But again, the, the expectation for that team is to continue to compete at a high level and chase those Final Fours. And, and there's no doubt with you at the helm, we can do that. And, and I'll end with this. You know, I have a chance to meet recruits when they come on campus. Uh, if I'm in town, if I can meet recruits, I'd like to meet with them. And, and I can look our volleyball recruits in the eye and tell them, He's the best volleyball coach in the world, bar none. So we feel very fortunate to have him here leading our program. On the facility enhancements, all privately funded? I mean, was that a lot of you raising the money? Uh, that, our goal to go for fun with you. Uh, yeah, so, you know, Dewey, obviously, Athletes Village gets a lot of a lot of attention. You know, this $166 million facility, which has been awesome. It's been such a connector for our, our department and for our campus, and we're so grateful for the support of the donors. But in addition to Athletes Village, uh, you know, we've gone out, we got a brand-new indoor golf house for our men's and women's golf program, yes, all privately funded. Uh, we just have a brand-new wrestling uh, training facility for our wrestling program for Coach Egan, which is phenomenal privately funded uh, and then we've got the new volleyball performance center that will open up uh, it'll be done in August again those things are all privately funded and, and again we're just so grateful a for our Golden Gopher fund staff and how hard they're working for our coaches to help us in those fundraising efforts so we've got a lot of facilities taking place uh, and it creates that wow factor as you know recruiting is the backbone of your program and if you want to have that wow factor you got to have that newness that freshness of facilities and you combine that with a world-class research institution academically and it really positions Minnesota in the positive light. On the village here, on the $166 million village, are you still raising money for that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do, yeah I mean, are we talking like tens of millions? Uh, yeah, we, we, we're being very aggressive on our fundraising. You know, we're, I think, just over 130. We might be around 133, $134 million raised towards our goal. Uh, so I can tell you I have lots of breakfast, lunch, and dinners, uh, fundraising activities towards Athletes Village. As you mentioned, I was in Arizona on a Sunday night at a dinner. We had a, a great event out there uh, in Arizona, which was awesome, and then had a golf event Monday morning fundraising for not only Athletes Village but all of our programs you know uh, I told you a long time ago Doogie you know when, when I was here before from 2001 to 2005 I heard an athletic director say that money's not the most important thing in college athletics but it's right up there with oxygen and I never forgot that yeah. statement so we, we fundraise all the time and we'll continue to fundraise for Athletes Village. I think I asked you about this last time we did this on camera but I'll ask you again because it's now about a year later I mean what sort of challenges are there when it's already here. Like to me, it's easy to raise money when there's a vision and let's see it go in. But now that it's here, are a lot of donors like, well, yeah, it's already there. Why Why do you need money from me? The athletes are utilizing it. I think that's part of the conversation. But but what I tell people, Doogie, um, if you've seen, I, I think, you know, anytime you make decisions, there's consequences, right? And I think one of the consequences of creating Athletes Village was that this has completely connected our department. And, and I mean that in a totally positive way. I encourage people to come over to Athletes Village and, and see our student athletes interact with each other, see our coaches interact with each other, see our staff interact with each other. It's been phenomenal. So when we have our conversation with donors, we can talk about how this continues to connect our program, continue to get us all together, moving in one direction. You know, I would argue when I got here, I'm not sure we had alignment. You know, I felt like we were very disjointed, right? And, and I think this facility's gone a long way to help us kind of create some of that alignment from the department from, you know, the very entry-level position to the athletic director to the president to the board of regents. Uh, and so when we sell this message about Athletes Village, it's continued to help this program move forward. Uh, and there's no doubt when people make that gift, it's transformational for our whole department. So did I just hear you right? There's an open invitation for fans to show up whenever they want? Well, no, they can't show up whenever <laughs> they want. But, uh, 
But, but what, what we talk about is, you know, we, we did an open house a year ago and we moved into the yeah, facility right, and, yeah. and had a great response mm -hmm. and it was awesome. Um, and, and, you know, we had the spring game last week, uh, you know, in the indoor facility and people had a chance to kind of come through and see it. Uh, but again, we're just so grateful for the support. You know, I, I remember when, when President Kaler reached out to me about this opportunity to become the athletic director at Minnesota and, and we talked about Athletes Village and, and how that got my attention. Uh, I can tell you when, when we hired PJ Fleck, we had the conversation with PJ about this new facility that will be here in a year, Athletes Village. Uh, when we hired Coach Whalen in women's basketball, you know, the first time Lindsay had a chance to look at the uh, Women's Basketball Performance Center, you know, she's like, this is for women's basketball. Like, this is for you. I mean, it, it's an awesome impact. And so uh, we're just so grateful for the support we're getting for the facility. That's part one with Gophers AD Mark Coyle. When we come back, we'll get his thoughts on the new U president that takes over on July 1st. We'll get his thoughts on Richard Patino. How soon did he approach Richard about a contract extension? Also, his thoughts on Bob Motzko and Lindsey Whalen. Part two with Mark Coyle is next here on the Scoop Podcast on Score North. It's final segment time here on the Scoop Podcast on Score North, scorenorth.com. That's score with a K, S-K-O-R, the all-new Score North, 1500 AM on your conventional radio dial. A couple quickies before we get back to Mark Coyle, Gophers Athletic Director. A couple quick notes. Max Williams, the former Gopher, is on his way. The pride of Waconia, by the way, is on his way to the Arizona Cardinals. I know I had previously reported this, that the New Orleans Saints had all sorts of interest, but ultimately Arizona wins out. So Max Williams joining up with Kyler Murray in the desert. Also, Miguel Sano is less than two weeks away from returning to the Twins lineup. He had a home run last night in his rehab assignment for Fort Myers. He is now on his way to A Pensacola. All right, back to Mark Coyle, my conversation with Mark recently. You mentioned President Kaler. What's your relationship with the new president? Uh, the soon-to-be, I yeah, guess, coming yeah, up in a yeah, handful of months. Yeah, well, 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 first off, I'd be remiss if, if I didn't recognize President Kaler. You know, uh, in fact, yesterday we were at the uh, new indoor golf practice for our men's and women's golf program. President Kaler had a chance to see it with, uh, with one of our board members. And, and, and I told President Kaler, if you don't think you've had an impact on our program, you're crazy. Uh, if you could have seen our, at the time our men's uh, golf team was practicing because our women's golf team was headed to Cincinnati for the Big Ten Championship this week. But uh, uh, what he's done for our program and what our board of regents have done for our program, uh, giving us the green light to build Athletes Village, to do these other the wrestling facility, the new track that's over my right shoulder that we have that will open up here shortly. Um, you know, the other facilities that we've done have been transformational. But, you know, President Gable, I've, I've had a chance to spend some time with her and, and very excited to have the opportunity to work with her. Uh, I can tell you when she was named the sole finalist, um, I had a chance to talk to some people who I know really well in, on the sports side of the industry who spoke very highly of her. Um, and again, we look forward to walking to her to Minnesota on July 1st and look forward to uh, continuing to build this program the right way. And some of the winter sports, okay, men's basketball. I guess let's just start with the extension. I mean, in your mind, do you look at just, okay, I've been here three years and two of the three years, Richard takes the team to the NCAA tournament, heck, wins a game, right? I mean, that's pretty rare, unfortunately. It's rare around here when you go back about 22, 23 years, pretty rare yep. to even advance to the round of 32. He does that. So, I mean, do you look at that and say, okay, two of the three years I've been here have been pretty darn good? Yeah. I mean, no brainer to give him the extension. Or do you also look at full body of work and you can look at five of his six years, 10 or more Big Ten losses. Like, that's pretty significant. His Big Ten record 
not real inspiring. So just how do you view your decision to give him the extension? Yeah, well, well, that's a great question. You know, we, we take a holistic view. That's what I try to do. And, and, and you're dead on. Do you? And, you know, if, if you back up for one second, you know, I think Richard just finished his sixth year in Minnesota, mm -hmm. right? He's had three athletic directors. So think about that for a second. Three athletic directors in six years and a young coach. Uh, I think Richard is a fabulous coach. I think Richard works tirelessly to build this program the right way. Uh, if you look uh, and spend time with our men's basketball student athletes, uh, they are phenomenal young men who speak very highly of Richard and what he does. Uh, and again, in my three years here, you know, if, if, if we took a resume, uh, and, and a staff member talked to me about this the other day, if we took a resume and we took Richard's name off that resume, and you said we could hire a coach that's been to two semifinals in the Big Ten tournament two of the last three years, we could hire a coach that's been to the NCAA tournament two of the last three years, right? We could hire a coach that got a win and went to the round of 32 in, in the last two or three years. That gets your attention, right? And, and again, I'm very pleased with Richard. Uh, I think he does a wonderful job, again, not only communicating with the student athletes in this program, but communicating within our department. Uh, Richard's very visible in our department. Uh, he attends meetings. Uh, he's vocal. He's supportive of a lot of people. And again, I'm just uh, very thankful that we have Richard and look forward to continuing to build that program the right way. Can you sit here and say he'll be your coach if he wants to be here in two years? Like, regardless of how next year goes, like, I mean, call me nuts, but like Hugh McCutcheon, if for some reason volleyball struggled next season. It's a no-brainer, right? If he wants to be here in two seasons, he'll be here. PJ, probably the same way. But Richard, can you sit here and say Patino, if he wants to be here in two seasons, he's my coach? Uh, what I can tell you is we're all a phone call away. And what I mean by that is uh, somebody could call Richard Patino tomorrow and hire him, right? Uh, I have well, Richard, somebody tried, or at yeah, least had interest, right? Yeah, somebody had interest, you know, and, and what I can tell you about my belief in Richard, um, you know, I approached Richard uh, going into the last week of the season uh, about a contract extension, uh, and then we beat Purdue at home, and that great, you know, game at home, we beat Purdue at home, and then we make that nice run in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, so I'm hopeful that Richard Bertino is our coach in two years. Again, he has my full support, and I think it's my job as the athletic director not only support Richard, but to support all of our coaches. Uh, you know, uh, I don't want Minnesota to be a transitional school. Uh, I want Minnesota to be a destination, and I think for a long time we've been a transitional institution, and I want to make sure that our coaches, we have coaches who want to be here and they want to make this a destination, and I believe Richard wants to do that, and so do we. Do you look at recruiting and just say it's cyclical? Like two years ago you get Kausher and Oturu and Omersa, great players, especially Oturu and Kausher, but then this class of 2019, a lot of swing and misses, both locally and even the point guard Sherfield, who yeah. just the other day said, hey, no to Minnesota. I'm going to Wichita State. You lose a kid from Breck to Colorado State. How do you view recruiting and I guess, you know, just recency and looking at what's happened in the last year, too many misses. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, the, the perception is that we're not getting Minnesota kids. And you just named three Minnesota kids that we got. And if my, uh, if my memory is correct, Minnesota starts the most in-state kids in the Big Ten Conference on their team, mm -hmm. right? So Now he, you're the he, only Division One program yeah. in this state. Yeah, but, but if you compare across the Big Ten Conference, our peers across the Big Ten mm -hmm. Conference, we have the most in-state kids at our school playing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, and Minnesota. Amir and Michael Hurt were... Good recruiting, yeah. especially Amir. Yeah. Those were big-time recruiting ones. Yeah, good so you're right, so it's... Yeah. Is it just cyclical? Uh, well, uh, I can't speak to what recruits are looking for. Uh, what, what I can tell you is that if you talk to our student athletes, the, the young men and women that come to Minnesota, uh, it is our sole commitment to make sure we provide them with a great experience. And there's no doubt when, 
when students come to our program, they're having positive experiences. And if they're not having positive experiences, it's on us to make sure we do do that for them. And again, Richard, I know, works tirelessly. His staff works tirelessly on recruiting. Uh, we've got two coming in that we're very excited about. Uh, that will be a part of this program coming in quickly. But I, I promise you, our goal is to lock down the home state, and we'll work incredibly hard to lock down the home state. Uh, that's how you continue to build and get a great foundation for all of our programs. Uh, but again, I do think recruiting, you know, it is cyclical. But again, I think uh, Richard works incredibly hard to find the best people to help this program go in the right direction. On Williams Arena, you guys are looking at what, wider concourses, bathrooms, adding a kitchen? Is that something that could happen relatively soon? Uh, what our timing is, Doogie, obviously, uh, you know, we work closely with President Gable when she gets here uh, in July to start to have the conversations with her. We work closely with our Board of Regents, and, and what we'd like to do, it's very important for me, uh, you know, our, our operating budget right now is $122 million. Uh, that places us eighth in the Big Ten, and I feel a big part of my job is to make sure that we have balanced budgets uh, and to make sure that we operate this thing the right way. And so what we want to do right now is we want to make sure uh, we finish our fundraising for Athletes Village. As I mentioned, these other facilities that we've built, we've not taken on any new debt with the golf facility, the volleyball facility, the wrestling facility. Um, and then once we have a chance to get Athletes Village taken care of, we do want to take a look at Williams Arena. I think Williams Arena is a phenomenal arena, and we want to be very careful and very strategic in how we look at that. Uh, but yes, looking at the concourses, um, looking at the seating, there's some things that we can do. Uh, I sometimes use the analogy of Wrigley Field. If you've been to Wrigley Field lately, uh, you know they've, they've completely changed Wrigley Field, but they haven't changed Wrigley Field. It still has the, the tradition, the history, and I think those are some things that we need to look at to, to make the fan experience even better than it is right now at Williams Arena. Fenway Park's another great yeah. example. I mean, they've made so many changes at Fenway. So, I mean, but no they still have the Yeah, they still have the magic of Fenway, right? And they still absolutely, have the magic, the magic is Italy. absolutely still there. And, so and that, that will be what we would want to do Yeah, here. so no thought of just saying, you know what, Williams, it's been a great run for, what is it now, 91 years but hey, it's time for a new arena. Just you wouldn't go there. Uh, no, I, I'm very pleased with Williams. And again, we, we want to make upgrades. And, and again, you know, I talk about that wow factor in, in recruiting. It's the backbone of what we do, right? And, and when we can make the right enhancements to Williams Arena, that's got such a great reputation nationally. Uh, that will only enhance and help our recruiting efforts for both men's and women's basketball. How do you evaluate Lindsey Whalen's first year? Uh, just thankful. I, I really am. And, and what I mean by that, you know, they, they get 21 wins. Um, and, and I remember, you know, we started out undefeated in non-conference and, and had a great win uh, over some really good teams early on in the season. We won our ACC game against Syracuse, which is a good team. I know Coach Hillsman really well from my time at Syracuse, but, ha but had a good uh, non-conference. And we opened up Big Ten play, and we struggled. And I remember I walked into Lindsay's office, and, and I told her, I said, I promise you, you will win another game. It will happen. I don't know when, but you'll win another game. Uh, but, but I think um, you learn a lot about Lindsay when we have that slow start in Big Big Ten, and if my memory's correct, we went two and seven, mm -hmm. and then we finished seven and two to finish nine and nine in the conference. Doogie, that's not easy to do. Think about a team that's gone two and seven, right? And she can flip them and get them to go seven and two, go nine and nine in the league. Uh, that tells me we're going to be in a really, really good spot with Coach Whalen. And, and I had a chance, uh, we were out in Arizona together, and, and when we were flying back, we were just talking about. Um, you know, the season, and, and what I love about Lindsay is she's always trying to learn. Um, and, and I've been very blessed. I've been surrounded by some really competitive people in my career. I, I mean, I've been at Kentucky, Miami, Florida State. Uh, I've been around some big-time programs and seen at a high level. I have never met a more competitive person than Lindsay Whalen. I mean, I, I have never met anybody more competitive, and there's no doubt she'll get this program where we all want it to go. Is Bob Motzko pretty competitive? 
Bob's wonderful. You know, Bob, uh, it, it's been so great working with him uh, and, and spending time with him. And, and you know, the, the, the great thing about Bob is he is so appreciative to be at Minnesota and, and, and what Minnesota means to him. Uh, he totally embraces what it means to be the men's hockey coach at the University of Minnesota. I can't tell you how hard that decision was for him to leave St. Cloud State and what he built there. And, and they were so great to him. And, and when Bob made the decision to come join our program and be a part of what we're doing, um, I'm just grateful for him and what he does. You know, if you look at the end of the season, we won five out of six games. We, we had the quarterfinals of the Big Ten here. We sweep Michigan. We have a chance. We go to Notre Dame in a tough, tough call uh, in, in overtime against Notre Dame and get the loss there. But, but Bob and what he did, you know, getting that program uh, where we're at right now and where we want to go, we've got a strong recruiting class coming in. As you know, I think we lose nine students on that team, so it's going to be a new team. Uh, almost half your team is transitioning, but we've got nine people coming in. He's got phenomenal recruits coming in. And Again, uh, our job is to continue to support Bob in that program and help them do the things that we all know we can do in that program. Yeah, I mean, he's an excellent recruiter. I mean, maybe because it's football, a lot of emphasis put on PJ and his excellent recruiting. But yeah, I mean, left and right, Bob's flipping some kids and he's landing kids. I mean, Bob's one heck of a recruiter. Yeah, the, there's not a rink he won't go into to recruit. I mean, that's what I love about him. And, and, and when, when we, uh, you know, had done our research and homework on Coach Motzko, uh, you know, that's one of the things people talked about was that, uh, A, he loves Minnesota hockey and he embraces tradition, the pride on ice. That's something that's part of who he is. Uh, but B, uh, there's not a rink he won't go into to recruit. I mean, he, he goes 24-7. And, and I really appreciate how hard he works. Uh, and most importantly, I appreciate how he represents our program. I mean, he does it the right way. And, and there's no doubt in my mind he'll get that program where we all want to be, which is competing in Frozen Fours and for national championships. All right, take us through the, the ticket price changes. Men's basketball, men's hockey. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, we, we talked a little about attendance. And, and, and Doogie, you know, I, I've been here almost three years now, and, and I can tell you the one thing we hear a lot about is our ticket prices and being more mindful of those. And, and I can tell you uh, I'm so grateful for our staff. We have spent a lot of time with our ticket office staff, with our marketing folks, with our Golden Gopher folks, with our media relations folks, looking at our ticket prices. And as you know, we're going uh, to be announcing, you know, we're reducing men's basketball season tickets uh, to $340. And, you know, it's a $190 price reduction, right? We want people to be a part of the barn and a part of that excitement on the men's basketball side. Uh, obviously, women's basketball is doing great on the ticket sales, and we'll continue to sell great tickets there. On men's hockey, we're going to reduce the price $100. Um, that's $200 reduction from two years ago. Uh, so we're listening to our fans. We're getting feedback from our fans, and, and it's our job to listen, take that input, and then try to create new ways to get more people a part of our program. So we think those reductions in ticket prices, um, those reductions in the number of seats that require scholarship seating donation will hopefully impact and get people a part of our program and help us build this the right way. Anything else you want to share with us that needs to be out there that I didn't ask you about? Well, you know, I, I think uh, I would be remiss, you know, uh, we obviously live in a, in a pro market, right? We've got the six professional teams and what they do. And, and I can't tell you what a great relationship we have with all those organizations from the Lynx to the Wild, the Timberwolves, the Vikings. We've got such strong partnerships and relationships with all those people. And I think what sometimes gets lost is, you know, we're the University of Minnesota. And our job is to make sure that we graduate our student athletes, to make sure we prepare them for the next stage of what they're trying to do. And, and I think sometimes it gets lost that, you know, academically, you know, we're above a, a 3.2 as a department, which is phenomenal. I think we're one of the highest rated public schools in the country. 
with respect to academic success. Uh, so I hope Minnesotans understand when they buy a ticket, we just talked about tickets, when you buy a ticket, when you make a gift to the Golden Gopher Fund, those are revenues, those are resources that we can put back into our department to make sure that we provide the best experience athletically, but more importantly, the best experience academically to make sure we graduate our student athletes and do it the right way. And we have a graduation success rate of 93%, which is the highest we've ever been. So I promise you we're doing things the right way and we're just so thankful for the support we have from our fans and donors and look forward to continuing to make not only this institution, this community proud, but the entire state proud of what we're doing in Golden Gopher Athletics. I appreciate the Gophers AD Mark Coyle giving me 30 minutes of his time. That was my two-part conversation with AD Mark Coyle. Some Vikings notes. It seems that Blake Cashman would have been the Vikings pick instead of Cameron Smith if the Jets had not taken him just a few picks prior. Blake Cashman to the New York Jets in the fifth round last weekend. One cool thing that the Jets do, I hadn't heard this before, so the Jets are flying out. In fact, right now, Blake's mom and dad are at the Jets facility. So the Jets fly out all the draft picks' parents for a two-day seminar, a two-day get-to-know-the-organization. So Blake's mom and dad are in... I guess it would be New Jersey where the Jets officially practice or isn't in New York. But anyway, I guess they're going to show them around town where their son may end up living. The drive to the facility, all about the facility, meet the coaches, meet the front office. I think that's really cool that the parents of these draft picks get a chance to really know what their sons are about to experience. The Jets rookie minicamp, including Cashman, is actually next week. So about half the league is this week, half the league is next week. The Jets are next week. The Vikings are this weekend. They have not officially signed Garrett Bradbury. That's a formality. It will happen, but the Vikings still need to create some cap space. Now, they did sign Irv Smith Jr. They signed Alex Madison, so they've signed some draft picks. Those draft picks that apply to the salary cap, those later round picks, don't apply to the salary cap at this point, but they will sign Bradbury at some point, but they still need to create some space. I would still look at Kyle Rudolph. Now, Charlie Walters of the Pioneer Press, who's incredibly plugged in, I love Shooter, wrote last Sunday that it's a foregone conclusion that Rudolph is done as a Viking. I'm not ready to go quite that far, but he would be the guy more than anyone, more than Trey Waynes, more than Xavier Rhodes, more than the long snapper McDermott, more than anyone that I would keep an eye on just to see what ends up taking place. Now, there is a scenario where the Vikings, depending on what the price is, if they can get a team-friendly deal, would have some interest in extending Rudolph. Now, do the Patriots potentially have some trade interest? I do. Do I think the Patriots want to pay Rudolph north of $7.5 million this year? Maybe not. So the money is a bit of a sticky issue, but I can tell you that would be the guy. Something happening with Rudolph, who is a free agent after the year. So there's all this talk about him restructuring. I guess you can move around some guaranteed money, but really it's hard to restructure a contract that's in the final year, right? I mean, it's easier to restructure a guy like Linval Joseph, who has multiple years left in his deal. It's not quite as simple to restructure a contract like Rudolph's when he's in the final year of his contract. But I'm just telling you, when it comes to the Vikings creating cap space, Rudolph would be the guy I would look at more than anyone. I'm just not ready to go quite as far as Charlie Walters did, saying that Rudolph is completely done as a Viking. All right, we are done, though. I can tell you that much. We are done here on the Scoop Podcast. This has been episode 226. Earlier this week, episode 225 included conversations with Blake Cashman, Ryan Connolly, and Twins Chief Baseball Officer Derek Falvey. He gave an update on Addison Reed, who at some point should join the Twins bullpen, but that's many weeks away as he continues to rehab that left thumb injury. Then episode 224 
from late last week includes a conversation with new Gophers forward Alihan Demir, the Drexel transfer, double-digit scorer last year at Drexel. There certainly is a possibility that he will take over that starting job that is vacated by Jordan Murphy's departure. All right, we're done. Have a good weekend, everyone. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.